Hello, everyone, and welcome to Talk with the Doc, the show where we bring your questions to Providence medical experts for insight and information. Remember, everyone, all of our questions come from you, our listeners, via social media. We can be found on Twitter at Providence and on Facebook under Providence Health System. Use the hashtag Talk with the Doc, that's hashtag Talk with the Doc, for a chance to hear your questions in our episodes. Hello, and welcome to our episode today on stroke, May Stroke Awareness Month. My name is Lisa Arnold, your host for today. I am the Stroke Program Coordinator at Providence St. John's Health Center. As a friendly reminder, today's content is for educational purposes only. If you have any questions regarding your diagnosis or treatment plan, please reach out to your primary care provider. Joining me today is Dr. Reza Barvasad. He's a vascular neurologist with part of Providence St. John's Stroke Vascular Program. As I mentioned, today is Stroke Awareness Month for the entire month of May. We are pleased to have an interactive discussion regarding stroke. Dr. Barbersad, so how can we talk about what is a stroke and what happens when you have a stroke? Good morning, all. Thank you, Ms. Arnold. Thanks for having us over here. Uh, yeah, regarding the stroke, uh, you know that these years and years that the stroke is a sort of hot topics in all over the world because of the disability that it makes. So as a definition, we say the stroke, we have two types of a stroke, hemorrhagic stroke and ischemic stroke. Uh, in the ischemic stroke, we say anytime that the, we have a blockage in the artery in the vessels in the brain, uh, it could be because of the plaque, because of the clot, because of a spasm, it makes ischemic stroke. And any time that we have a rupture in the vessel wall for any reason, it could be because of high blood pressure or any other reason, we have a bleeding in the brain. Overall, it's about 15 to 20% of the cases, they have a hemorrhagic stroke or bleeding in the, in the brain. And about 80 to 85%, they have ischemic stroke, which had a blockage in the artery in the brain. And beside that, there is another syndrome, we call it TIA or transient ischemic attack. In that case, the patient may have some symptoms, temporary comes and goes, and it could be again because of the temporary blockage in the blood flow in the, some part of the brain, and the patient may have symptoms for a couple minutes or a couple hours and completely resolve after that. That's the three sort of definitions that I would like to start with. I agree, Dr. Barbersad. And when we talk about stroke, I think it's important for our viewers to understand the warning signs of a stroke. And sometimes they're a little bit different, whether it's a hemorrhagic stroke, an ischemic stroke, or a TIA, um, and not to dismiss any of those important warning signs. Yeah. Uh, regarding the ischemic stroke, patient may present with sort of very high blood pressure, uncontrolled blood pressure, presented with numbness, weakness, blurry vision, and sometimes with speech difficulty, sometimes present, present with just vertigo or dizziness, and almost all of them presented with acute onset. We are not talking about symptoms which started from two weeks ago or three months ago. We are talking about the symptoms that started in a couple minutes or seconds or very acute. It doesn't matter actually. In the hemorrhagic, um, in the hemorrhagic one, it may present with severe headache, very high blood pressure, and again weakness, numbness, blurry vision, speech difficulty. And in the ischemic 
the stroke still we have the same symptoms as well but they have a two different um, classification of a stroke and two different um, category we'll talk about that in detail i think it's important for our members of the community that are more novice in stroke treatment and learning about stroke that they understand kind of our universal acronym that we use here at st john's and in the providence system which is be fast b standing for balance E would be for eyes. F is for facial droop that Dr. Barbershad mentioned. A, S for speech, and T for time. Um, A would be the arm uh, drooping or leg drift. S for speech and T for time. And T is, I think, one of the most important letters of the BFAS acronym, making sure that you get to the hospital quickly and you call 911. Um, not waiting or sitting at home, thinking that those symptoms are going to resolve or that very severe headache that you have that was a sudden onset um, is going to disappear. So really important for people to understand that. Dr. Barsad, what do you think about our risk factors for having a stroke and the, the primary ones that people really need to focus on and some treatment yeah. modalities for that? Regarding the risk factors for a stroke, we have two types of risk factors. Some of the risk factors that we can modify them. Some of them we don't have choice. We'll talk about them. First of all, is our lifestyle. For example, people who are used to drink alcohol a lot, or the, the one that used, uh, they used to smoke. The data show that the smoking and drinking more than usual, more than two drinks per day, increasing the risk of a stroke. Or smoking, increasing the risk of a stroke almost six times. Or for example, illegal drugs, cocaine and methamphetamine, increasing the risk of a stroke almost five to seven times. And uh, obesity is another risk factor that it's the data and studies showed that overweight guy, they have a risk of a stroke almost three to five times compared to normal populations. The other risk factors I'm gonna talk about that is very, very important is about cardiovascular factors like high blood pressure and uh, diabetes and um, um, high cholesterol level which they all have a correlation, significant correlation with acute stroke. And the other risk factors that we usually miss that is uh, sleep apnea. The data showed that the patient with sleep apnea, they have two to three times more risk for a stroke compared to general population. The other risk factors is um, cardiovascular risk factors like irregular heart rhythm, we call it atrial fibrillation. And, um, and any sort of uh, heart failure and valve uh, disease. They have a correlation with the, with the stroke as well. And um, the other thing that these days we are um, dealing with is a COVID infection. We know that in the COVID patient in acute phase, they have a more risk for a stroke. Uh, and even some data is telling us that post COVID infection for some, high, for, for some reason, we may have increasing in the rate of strokes in those population in the post-COVID phase. But some of the risk factors, we are not able to change them. We are not able to modify them, like age. The data showed that age after 55 years old, or some of them said after 60 to 65 years old, patient people are more in the risk of strokes. And race, which studies showed that African-Americans and Hispanics they are more in the risk of strokes 
or sex that we know that stroke is more in the men, but in the woman, it happened in the older age. Or we know that unfortunately, the prognosis in the woman is worse than men's in the older age. The other one is the hormones. We know that some birth controls can increase the risk of strokes. Any type of estrogen uh, products, even sometimes the patch, estrogen patch, can increase the risk of strokes. That's sort of the risk factors that we usually trying to monitor them, especially if the patient had a stroke. And we modify these risk factors, significantly decreasing the risk of recurrent strokes. We should think about that. When you have a stroke, in normal population, we have a chance of 1% to 5% chance for strokes in five years. But when you patient have one time a stroke, the chance of recurrency of a stroke will increase to 10 to 15% in five years. And modification, I mean, work on the risk factors, helping patient to prevent a stroke in the future. I agree, Dr. Barber said, I, I especially think those patients that have been diagnosed with a TIA are greatest uh, risk of a population that that is a warning sign that you could have a massive stroke, which gives you the opportunity to really look at your modifiable risk factors, such as high blood pressure and cholesterol, to try and prevent that stroke from happening. Interestingly enough, during COVID, a lot of those uh, modifiable risk factors that you talked about, Dr. Barbersad, people um, stopped going to their primary care physician, stopped taking a lot of those antihypertensive medications that they should have been on. Maybe they weren't checking their cholesterol regularly. Um, with the added stress of COVID, uh, there was an increase in alcohol consumption for a lot of people as well, placing that at a much higher risk for stroke. So it's really important if you haven't made that connection with your primary care since COVID that you, you look into your modifiable risk factors and make sure that you're monitoring them. Unfortunately, if you do have a stroke, Dr. Barbershad, there are great treatments available now with modern medicine. And at Providence St. John's, we have a comprehensive stroke center where we're able to provide the most uh, technologically advanced um, procedures for people that do have a stroke, as well as uh, time-sensitive medications. Correct, Dr. Barbershad? Yeah. Uh, actually, uh, regarding the treatment, we have a term which is from about 15 years ago or 20 years ago, we are saying time is brain. The treatment for a stroke is very, very time sensitive because in every minute, the, the patient is losing about 2 million neurons. And we know that in the brain, we don't have regeneration of the neurons. And as soon as we start the treatment, we are saving the brain. We have two different, two different um, treatments for the acute stroke phase. One of them is medication. We are using thrombolytic therapy or clot buster, which melts the clot in the vessels. One of them was TPA, which started from 1986. And the other new one is tenectoplase or TNK, which uh, the data is telling us that patients who are eligible for these treatments, they may get more than 30% functional, favorable functional outcome in three months after this stroke. So the patient should have a good recovery in long term. That's one of the medications uh, that we are using and uh, is FDA approved medication. The other treatment that we are using at Providence and it's um, sort of interventional procedure is the endovascular treatment. And the uh, endovascular team here, they will go 
through the cerebral angiography and uh, they will pull out the clot or suctioning the clot from the um, intracerebral arteries. And um, the, uh, the point of these two treatments is they are time sensitive. For example, for medications, T TPA or TNK, we have four and a half hours to start the treatment. Four and a half hours from the symptoms onset, from the time that the patient had a weakness, numbness, double vision, dizziness, or any symptom which is related to a stroke. Does it mean that we have to wait because we have time? Four and a half hours? No. We prefer to start the treatment as soon as possible to save the brain, to save the cells, to save the tissue. Regarding endovascular treatment, before 2018, we said about six hours for intervention, but now we have 24 hours. But again, the trials is telling us as soon as possible, you do the intervention and pull out the clot or suctioning the clot, you are giving more viable tissue for the patient. You are saving the brain tissue. So again, as uh, Ms. Arnold said, anytime you or your family thinking you may have a stroke as soon as possible, you should call 911 and come to the hospital because you are saving more part of your brains. That's the two main treatments in acute phase. And we have some rehabilitation uh, services over here and speech therapies working on your deficit uh, during hospitalization. And also we have preventions, um, the, the medications like aspirin, Plavix or clopidogrel, or if you have atrial fibrillation and we think that the etiology of your stroke could be cardioembolic, we are using different blood thinners uh, or, or anticoagulants like Coumadin or Warfarin, Eliquis or Apaxiban, or there, there are different brands of these kind of blood thinners that we are uh, um, sort of advising patients to take that. And the last point regarding the treatment is uh, modif modifying your risk factors. That's the main part for preventing a stroke. And always think about that. When we have a stroke, the risk of recurrency of your stroke is almost two times or three times more than normal population. So it's very important to work on your risk factors after that. I agree, Dr. Barsad. One other area overlooked often is diabetes, and there's been a lot of advancements in uh, medications now that also have a cardiovascular benefit to help with those patients that have cardiovascular issues um, to prevent them from having a stroke. So again, medication management is really essential. And Dr. Barbersad really touched upon um, our ischemic stroke population. As I mentioned, we can do advanced treatments for those patients that have hemorrhagic strokes as well um, with procedures such as um, clipping and coiling of aneurysms. A lot of people have an aneurysm and they don't actually know that they're walking around with an aneurysm. They end up developing severely high blood pressure and then their aneurysm bursts. So we actually have a great team of doctors that are also able to um, emergently um, try and fix those burst aneurysms when that happens. So again, really just going back to time is of the essence for any treatment in stroke. Um, it really has a direct impact on your outcome um, once you leave the hospital. Um, what can we expect after a barbershot if I do have a stroke and I leave the hospital? What does it look like, um, you know, um, regaining um, my mobility back if I've had a large stroke? Or what would my plan look like when I do leave the hospital? What should I be doing if I, if I have had a stroke? Yeah, the main issue is, number one, when you're 
have a, when the patient had a brain damage secondary to ischemic stroke, it takes time for regeneration and brain start compromising the area which is uh, sort of dead tissue. So it takes time, sometimes takes about three to six months for recovery. That's the best time to work with the rehab team for physical therapy or occupational therapies or speech therapies for recovery. And that's the main part. And I think patient and family should be patient about that. But the other part, as I mentioned before, is about how we can prevent it to have more strokes because recurrency is very, very common in stroke patients. That's the main issue that they have to be in touch with the primary care physician as a main coordinator with the cardiovascular team, with the vascular neurologist team to have a good prevention and modifying the risk factors. That's the main thing. Overall, in the endovascular uh, cases, I'm talking about the cases that they came to the hospital on time, on the perfect time, and image was they are eligible for, for, for uh, thrombectomy or endovascular treatment. I would say based on the nationwide, we have 50% chance for a good recovery with functional outcome. In the TPA or thrombolytic um, cases, the patients that are eligible for thrombolytic therapy, we have about 35, 33 to 35% functional good recovery in the three months after the stroke. And the rest, still they have improvement after the treatment, but it will take time for that, maybe three to six months to have a better functional outcome. I agree, Dr. Barsan. It's really important that you use your support and your family members, if you have them at home, to help you recover. Um, at Providence St. John's, we have some great resources and support groups. Um, sometimes depression can result of having a stroke. So it's really important that you're following up with your physical therapist and your providers when you do leave the hospital, um, optimally for the best success. Do you have anything else to add today, Dr. Barbersad? regarding stroke? Uh, thank you so much. Actually, I just want to um, echo what you said regarding how much time is important because we sometimes in the ER, we see that a patient come with a delay or the family, they try to calm down the patients, they waste the time. Anytime you believe you may have a stroke or family members believe that the patient, their family, their loved one, they may have a stroke, just call 911. You don't need to uh, drop the patient at the hospital, just call 911 because we have a stroke pathway system in the 911 uh, and, and they can select the best hospital for you. The hospital is ready, the ER team is ready, the endovascular team and the stroke neurologist at the hospital is ready for you. Any minutes, you are, we are losing 2 million cells. Number one, so call 911. And you don't, a family member doesn't need to advise, for example, go to sleep or eat something or drink food, drink something or eat food, you will get better. You are wasting the time for the patients. And, and, and be sure when the family are sending the patient to the hospital, uh, that's, I would recommend to be, don't be stressed out be focused on what's going on. And we need more data about the patient. When was the last known well? When it happened, which kind of medication he's on? Because it's giving us, it's saving your time when we're going to approach the patient in the couple minutes after arriving to the hospital. And you are saving the patient's brain tissue in that way. 
I agree. I echo that, Dr. Barber said. It's really important that even if you wake up in the middle of the night with these symptoms, don't dismiss them. Come directly to the hospital. Please don't go back to bed. Um, that can lead to catastrophic outcomes for you and your family. It's really important to listen to your body. And that's what my team is here at Providence St. John's to help you with and, and really see if you've had a stroke and get you on the path to recovery. Well, I'd really like to thank you today, Dr. Barbersad, for joining us um, and to everyone on the line today. If you have any questions about your health, please visit us at providence.org. Also make sure to follow us on Providence Facebook Live, LinkedIn Live, and Providence Twitter. Thank you again. And please remember this is May Stroke Awareness Month. So if you have any questions about your possible risk factors for stroke, please talk to your healthcare provider. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us here. Have a great day.